The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. Well, good evening. And Monday at 6.32, you betcha, we're back at it. John Scholes here. Alex Luchaferro from ST Law is is your guy tonight for the next half hour. And beyond that, of course, the phone lines are open. So we're ready live here to take your calls. You have questions about your job, employment, life, workplace. And uh, we're going to get into the... uh, the emails in just a bit, Alex, because I know they've been piling up, but we always like to start with the uh, the week that was. But I will give you a chance to uh, give Alex a call after the show as well. You can reach out through email, help at employmentlawyer.ca or 1-855-821-5900. But uh, case of the day, Bob, what do you got going on? Hey, good evening to you, John. Thanks very much. Great to be back live on the air as, uh, as always, talking workplace rights for employees and employers as well continues to be a busy time for us across our offices it's uh people are still getting let go from their jobs they're getting you know unfairly demoted or maybe laid off illegally uh job cuts you know we continue to hear of of news large corporations you know cutting jobs left right and center and that means we continue to help people you know in these workplace situations john solving problems giving advice helping people get the severance that they're owed People contact us because they're dealing with that kind of situation at work, a difficult situation, and they don't know what to do or they don't know how to respond to their employer or they're just so stressed, so anxious, so fed up with the way they're being treated that they need some help and they want to know what their rights are. And the good news, John, is that employees in Ontario, in Canada more generally, we do have options. We do have rights. Employment laws in Ontario are actually very protective of employees. And as you very well know, John, that is what we do. We help people resolve those workplace problems and stand up for their employment uh, rights. And that's the great thing about our job. A lot of times these situations are very easily resolvable. uh, And, you know, even situations that are difficult. And don't get me wrong, John, not every situation is uh, straightforward and easy to resolve. Some situations are difficult. But even in those difficult situations, it's extremely important to know What options do you have? How does the law work in your particular situation? You need the answers to those questions just as a starting point Mm -hmm. to get your bearings about you and know what you're going to do moving forward. So if you're listening to us right now and you're dealing with one of these difficult situations at work, maybe you've been let go from your job, maybe your boss is treating you badly, maybe you're an employer, maybe you own a business and you're dealing with a difficult situation with one of your employees, listen, feel free to give us a call right now an opportunity to speak with an employment lawyer let's talk let's resolve that workplace problem try and alleviate some of that workplace stress i always encourage our listeners of course don't be shy there are absolutely no bad questions when it comes to employment law Uh, and uh, the case of the day john as we always uh, start the show to get us warmed up getting talking and thinking employment law this is case in point uh, uh, john speaking of kind of reaching out and getting some answers and getting some guidance um, this just happened over the weekend, so hot off the hot off the presses, as they say. I got an email, and this happens to us pretty often, John. We get kind of random emails from 
from the general public. Got an email from uh, from a very seemingly very nice gentleman who had seen one of our TV shows and was it was actually just a very brief email saying, uh, Alex, I you know I'm wondering if you can help me out. I was let go from my job. It's been over a week now. I haven't received my record of employment. I want to apply for employment insurance. You know, how long does the employer have to provide my record of employment? Uh, and I wrote back and I, I told this guy, well, listen, why don't, you know, I'll give you a car, call Monday morning. Well, let's chat about it quickly. And so I spoke to him this morning, uh, John, and I found out he had been working with this particular company for just about three years. I think it was just over three years. You know, nothing, nothing fancy, not making a, a huge income. Uh, and when they let him go, uh, they offered uh, th- this guy three weeks of pay, so a week per year of service. Uh, John, he didn't think anything of it. He thought, yep. All right, I guess that's kind of standard operating procedure uh-huh. uh, here. But again, he had a question yep. about his record of employment, question about his, I think, vacation pay he was asking about as, as well. And, and so, of course, as soon as I talked to him, and you probably know where I'm going with this, John, yep. I said, well, listen, your record of employment's coming. Don't worry about it. It's probably in the mail already. It's probably with Service Canada already. Uh, your vacation pay is going to get paid to you. That's for sure. That's a no-brainer. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to accept anything. It's coming to you. But let's talk severance because <laughs> yeah. you've been offered three weeks of severance, uh, uh, right? Based on this guy's age, position, and years of service, John, he was probably looking at four months of severance, not weeks. Yeah. John, four months of severance. And when I told him that, John, and this is a little fun, he was very skeptical. He's like, no, it can't be. There's no way I'm owed four months. That doesn't make sense. It's a week per year of service. And so I walked him through the explanation. I mean, we've done it, you know, thousands of times on this show. Walked him through the analysis. He now understands this is not a record of employment issue. This is not a vacation pay issue. This is a severance issue that we're dealing with here. And the reason why I bring it up, uh, John, is because were it not for his question about his record of employment, this guy would have gladly, you know, got paid the three weeks, moved on with his life, uh, and would have left. I mean, I don't know the exact amount, uh, John, but he would have left probably another, what, $15,000 on the table Huge. without even knowing it, without even realizing it. And this happens a lot, John. I mean, so many people contact us asking the wrong question. And to be clear, that's not to say that there are bad questions here. It's just the focus is on the wrong item, the wrong piece of information, yeah. asking about the record of employment, or maybe they're asking about vacation pay, or maybe about a letter of reference or something like that. And they skip the severance part, John, because they think, well, hold on a sec. My employer's, you know, my employer's going to do the right thing. They're going to treat me fairly. I just have these kind of procedural or more administrative questions. And that's the assumption, John. And I hate to say it, but it's wrong. Yeah. Companies always, always lowball a first severance offer in the hope that the employee just accepts it and moves on. In this case, thankfully, this guy hadn't signed anything. It had just happened late last week. I spoke to, you know, again, he emailed us over the weekend. So we're going to be able to help this gentleman get the severance he's owed. But again, there's an important lesson here. When you're let go from your job, there's no question you're going to be owed severance. There may be other issues at play. Don't get me wrong. But usually severance is the main issue. And usually you're owed a lot more than what your employer has offered you. So again, an important lesson there that it should be the focus always. We're going to concentrate on email tonight, but we'll take a short break right now and get into it. And we'll continue. Stand by a lot of your emails coming up here on the Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show. Stay tuned.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. All righty, 642, right back at it on a Monday evening. Alex Luciferro is your guy with all the answers. Gary, thanks for standing by momentarily. How are you, pal? I'm good. Yourself? Good, sir. What's on your mind? So I have a small business, small construction business, um, and it is very difficult to get apprentices or, or, or workers. Um, yeah. I look for the apprentices just to obviously train new kids. Um, and I have, I've gone through so many people, uh, like the six within the past two years. Uh, it was all within the three months um, uh, probation period. And luckily for me, because it's just, it's so hard to find people. But now I have a, uh, I have a, a kid that I've signed up as an apprentice. And I'm just wondering, he, I, I pay him full time and I don't have full time hours. And I do that just to keep a hold of, you know, a, a worker who is, is decent. But I'm getting like I took, uh, I took my family on a holiday for two weeks. I paid him for two weeks um, while I was away. And then when I got back, you know, he's late for work, shows up drunk or hungover or, you know, something else of that nature. And for the three days, first three days back, like he's not reliable. Mm-hmm. How, what, what are my obligations as the employer that if I finally had enough and realized I'm losing money like crazy and I can't rely on this, this kid when I need him, does it work the same with construction? Um, do I, do I have to pay him severance for stuff, uh, along those lines or do I have the right to terminate him because of the lack of reliability and, you know, uh, having a substance abuse problem? Yeah, all excellent questions, uh, Gary. And and listen, it sounds like uh, you're in a situation that many other employers, and we speak to employers on a you know on a very regular basis. You know, lots of employers are dealing with that kind of situation exactly, which is it's tough to find good employees, and when you've got them, you want to keep them, of course. And I mean, this employee obviously sounds like he's likely giving you uh you know too hard a time to actually make it worthwhile so the first thing i'll say gary is listen uh kind of the default setting here is that you can you know an employer can let an employee go at any time for no particular reason at all it's what we call a without cause termination so you can base it on performance or you can base it on you know some of his conduct but you don't have to you could just let him go without cause effectively for no reason at all however even though he's a construction employee, Gary, he would still be owed severance in the circumstances unless, Gary, so he would be owed severance based on his age, position, and years of service. So listen, if he's a young guy, hasn't been with the company for too, too long, your severance entitlements may not be much uh, uh, there depending on those circumstances. However, Gary, if you have an employment contract and this is something that we'll oftentimes recommend to employers, and it's more and more the case nowadays as an employer, you should have employees sign employment contracts or offer letters with termination language in them that limit an employee's severance entitlements. If that was the case, your severance entitlements to it may be very minimal. So 
If there's a contract at play here, you may be able to hold him to whatever's in that contract. If there isn't any contract, you would likely owe him severance. I'd be very, as a final point here, Gary, I'd be very uh, careful uh, with respect to the substance abuse issues because if you think that this is an addiction issue, it's really important to keep in mind in Ontario and again generally across Canada, addiction is a disability. Is it is a disability that is effectively protected under human rights legislation. So if you let an employee go because you suspect or you know that they have an addiction issue, and that could be to alcohol, it could be to prescription drugs, uh, illicit drugs, etc., you may have to accommodate that employee and encourage them to seek counseling and you know seek seek addiction services, etc. Right before punishing them by letting them go or reprimanding him. So my suggestion in that respect, Gary, it would be before you, you know, before you make any decisions here, let's have a chat off air. Let's talk about this in more detail. Get into the nitty gritty. Listen, I'd be more than happy to have a quick chat with you when, you know, at any point this week, it's not a problem at all. Let's figure out what the best route is moving forward. It sounds like it's time to let this employee go. You want to do it properly. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate that. And here's that number to uh, go forward with Alex and have that uh, lengthier conversation on your own time. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Coming on down the line to Gary, another Gary. Hey, Gary, how are you? Doing great. How about you guys? Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind tonight? Statutory holidays. Upcoming mm. Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's Day. Yep. Um, I work in a non-unionized environment. We are not a 24-7 operation. Can my employer force me to work mm-hmm. any that holiday? Yeah, excellent question, uh, Gary. It's the night of Gary's, John. And, uh, That's right. It, it's, uh, it's a question we get very often at this time of year, uh, Gary. So, so not surprising to hear it. Uh, you're on the right track. So, there, so generally speaking... No, an employer cannot force you to work on statutory holidays, uh, right? So, and I'm not talking the holidays in general. I'm talking a statutory uh, a holiday, which in Ontario, at least, if we're talking about you know the holidays, it's Christmas, Boxing Day, uh, uh, New Year's, etc. Ex- there are a couple of exceptions, Gary, that need to be noted. So it depends on your particular industry. If I recall correctly, and you're, you're testing my uh, uh, my memory here, uh, employers like hospitals, nursing homes, I think even hotels and restaurants, if I'm not mistaken. And I think you mentioned another exception yourself, continuous operate, you know, employers that work on kind of continuous 24 hour cycles. Those are the exceptions where if you work in those industries, actually, I do believe that an employer would be uh, allowed to effectively force you to work on those days if it's part of your regular schedule. However, if you don't fall into one of those exceptions, the answer is no. You cannot be forced to work on a statutory holiday. Very good. All right. Very good. Answers everything. Thank you, gentlemen. Hope, I really hope that helps, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Happy holidays, my friend. Uh, 416-870-6400 is the number. Jim, you're up next. Good evening. Hey, how's it going today, guys? Love and life, brother. What's going on with you? I got a question for you. As an yep. employer... Am I allowed to give a bad reference to a future employer that calls me up about an employee? Yeah, great question, Jim. The short answer is you can as long as it is true. 
Uh, interestingly, our, our our firm was uh, involved in a case regarding uh, a situation like this. This is a few years back, uh, uh, Jim. But but that is effectively the answer. So you cannot disparage an employee uh, for the sake of it if it is not true. That's obviously uh, you know that's obviously libel. Effectively, you can be sued if that causes the employee uh, a damage. But if the critique shall we call it, is correct and accurate and true, Jim, then you are absolutely allowed. I'd be very careful in doing so if I was you, Jim, even if, you know, even if it's completely true, I'd be very limited in the information I provide as someone providing uh, a, a reference. Uh, okay. But, you know, listen, the truth is the truth. So I'd, I, you know, I, I would keep my comments short and sweet and to the point. I wouldn't go into a huge amount of detail. But it kind of is what it is. And so if, if there was a bad experience with this employee, you know, you, you have a right to, to express that to any prospective employer. So just basically say that you wouldn't hire them back. Yeah. Interesting. So that's an, opinion. That, that's where, that's where these kinds of conversations get tricky. Uh, right. I don't know, you know, and again, it, it's a, it's a question of context, but I don't know if I'd give that opinion if I was, if I was an employer, being called for for a reference, uh, right? If that's the case, I might almost say, you know, no comment, you know, and I'd, I'd rather not provide a reference at all. That says enough, just exactly. put it that way, yeah. right? That effectively okay. is saying the same thing, uh, you know, without, without going into any degree of detail. So that's how I'd handle it. Okay, thank you. That second Gary call we had in between was kind of interesting, Alex. You know, he said, can we, can they force us to work statute or holidays? How about if it's a, a situation where there's been some sort of precedent? So for the past five years, you've always worked them for your employer, but this year, you're like, no, I'm not doing it. Can they say, well, we've got a pattern here and you've worked the other five, last five Christmases. So guess what? You're on the schedule. Kind of like a temporary layoff. Once you've accepted once, you're kind of, you're kind of screwed. You know what I mean? Or is it not the same? Yeah, no, you're, you're, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's an interesting situation, uh, yeah. John, where if you've already, if that's kind of almost a term of your employment, right? It's an, mm -hmm. it's what we call an implied term of employment where this has been the status quo for the past several years. M you know, my comment would be, well, if you're going to want to change that, you need different, you know, you need a reason, you need a change in circumstance that says, okay, well, this year is different because of X, Y, and Z. Maybe you have some, fam some family obligations that you need to attend to that you didn't have in previous years or something that you can rely on to say, hey guys, yeah. this year it's different. And I would also add, uh, John, and this is kind of common sense stuff, don't get me wrong, but I think it's actually really important for employees to remember that if that's going to be happening, you want to give your employer as much notice as possible. Yeah. Right? When it comes to any kind of scheduling issues, I don't care what the workplace is, whether you're working at a restaurant or working in an office, right? give your employer the heads up. Oftentimes, these situations can be resolved you know, just by maybe asking someone else to cover the shift or you know, making some arrangements to change shifts, whatever it looks like, solutions can be found. Don't go to them the last day right, uh, of the year and say, hey, guys, I, you know, I, can't, I can't show up tomorrow. I know I usually work, uh, work Christmas or work New Year's, but I can't right. this year. That's not going to go down well. You're going to damage your relationship with your employer. They're not going to be able to trust you as much moving forward. So you want to address these situations head on and with as much notice as possible. Get Walker on here the last couple of minutes of the show. Hey, Walker, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Good, pal. What's going on? Hey, uh, I just had a question. So it's not really for me. It's uh, for my wife there. She's a finance manager at a car dealership. Anyways, uh, I guess 
of the auto group, there's a few dealerships, but the dealership's trying to claw back some of the sales rates, I guess it is. So per unit sold, they would get a like a administration fee for doing the paperwork, and it was twenty to forty bucks a deal. But anyway, sure. they clawed that back, and it's uh, it equals out to like an extra ten thousand dollars a year. But they really said there's not much they can do hmm. about it. Yeah, interesting situation, Walker. So this is uh, you know kind of the general heading here, and the topic that this falls under is constructive dismissal. So when an employer makes a significant change to an employee's compensation that could be changed to you know commission structure or change the base salary or even the change as you just kind of described if it's a significant enough change or a substantial enough change those, those are the words that the law will use then that can trigger potentially a constructive dismissal now listen 10 grand a year walker is not an insignificant amount of money. That's no a lot way. of money. Now, it depends on what your wife is earning in total, right? And we don't necessarily need to get into that o- over the air. But if she's earning, you know, a six-figure uh, a salary, you know, still ten grand could be a big difference. That may very well trigger a constructive dismissal. Walker, has your wife? It, it, so when did this happen, Walker? When did that change happen? Uh, this is just recent, so over the last little month. But I mean, they've had a few mm-hmm. about it, and one of their excuses were because she's strictly commission based. So you know, she works pretty hard. And, of course. Um, in in one of the meetings, they said, you know, you're you're on a good trajectory here, and if you keep that up, you're going to be making a lot more money than we thought. So they kind of, yeah, that was what they stood off there. And I don't know if that's right. It's not a good enough excuse, Walker. Listen, you know, from a business perspective, we see this all the time. We see salespeople making a killing and the employer then coming in and say, well, hold on a sec. You're making too much here. That's not how employment law works. If they're going to be reducing that employee's pay, that could still trigger a constructive dismissal, which gives your wife the right to say, no, guys, I'm not accepting this change. Or, uh, right, if this makes sense, then the response would be to you know, effectively claim severance, the claim that her employment's been terminated and, and seek severance. My suggestion, Walker, and this is, time is of the essence here. You don't want months to go by with this change being implemented. Give us a call at the office. Let's have a chat off air in confidence, uh, you know, with, with your wife and figure out what her best option is moving forward. I would not just grin and bear it. That is the wrong move here. At the very least, let's let's have a chat about it off air. And we're done. Thanks, Walker. I'll give you that number as we uh, get out the door back in tomorrow at 630. To reach Alex now, you can do so. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca's email and the website anytime. You can get that uh, severance calculator as well. Take that for a spin. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. As mentioned, back in here tomorrow at 630 for the Tuesday edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy the rest of your night. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.